Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. What's going on, guys? It is Wednesday, October 30th. And uh, so for the last few days, obviously, I think anyone who's been hanging out has seen um, we've been a little bit more analysis-y, uh, to use a word that doesn't exist, um, you know, with the Libra hearing last week and then China going blockchain crazy right after that. It's made sense to kind of um, be a little bit more interpretive of the news and try to make sense of what it actually means and what conversations we should be having and so on and so forth. But uh, in the meantime, a ton of actual just straight up actual factual news has been happening as well. And so today I wanted to do something kind of the reverse of what we've been doing, where we just go a, a little bit quicker through um, through five different topics, uh, pieces of news that I think have been coming out. So we're going to talk about uh, Jihan Wu's coup at Bitmain and the drama surrounding that. We're going to talk about just the, the latest out of China with regard to blockchain, because that can continues to come fast and furious. Third, we're going to talk about Russia. There's some interesting crypto intrigue there. Fourth, we're going to talk about funding for CoinList, including from Jack Dorsey. And fifth, we're going to talk about, uh, just very briefly touch on um, the latest news uh, out of the Fed. So let's start with Bitmain, right? Um, so uh, it's funny, like I had literally just gotten done on the 3 at 3 and Narrative Watch talking about how the narrative of China as it relates to digital currencies and digital assets in this whole space more broadly had up leveled from just uh, kind of mining companies going at each other's throats. When I turn around and all of a sudden, uh, Jihan Wu has basically plotted a coup uh, and executed a coup to come back uh, and kind of gotten rid of his co-founder who was leading the company um, in crazy, crazy fashion. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, Canon Interactive has also filed to go public. It came out that Bitmain has filed to go public. So basically, what's the actual news? What happened? What happened is uh, there's a power struggle going on at uh, Bitmain. Um, Jihan, who had been the chairman but not the active CEO, came back. He gave himself a bunch of power. And apparently uh, this had been executed kind of crazy. So Dovi Wansir says, wow, getting more details from the hashtag Bitmain drama, which makes it definitely a crypto version Godfather movie. Uh, McCree was out in Shenzhen on the 28th for a press event while Jihan turned Bitmain Beijing HQ upside down in the same 24 hours. Bitmain drama episode six, uh, Jihan turned Bitmain HQ upside down. Investors didn't know, no shareholder consent. Three, only after the coup, Jihan started to talk with investors about how to negotiate with the ousted leader. Uh, it's a coup, crazy face, crazy face, crazy face. So why is this interesting? Um, one, uh, it's a business soap opera and it's hard to not be interested in some of that um, with crazy big players and crazy big attitudes. And if you go back and actually read uh, this piece from uh, Wolfie at Coindesk, um, the, the specifics are actually kind of nuts too and like where they're debate and their fight came from. Uh, so, there's, so there's that whole piece. Um, but then the second piece is like, there's actual unclear questions in this too, like how he could have actually been removed because basically the the person who was removed from power has um, more shares, it seems like, than anyone else, including Jihan. Uh, and they revealed the IPO as well. So basically Bitmain is, uh, again, one of the big players in mining. Um, you know, maybe its star has faded from where it was a year ago or two years ago, especially, uh, but it still continues to be a highly influential player. And it's just another dimension of this ongoing China story. But with that, 
Um, let's check in on the other parts of China. So uh, obviously, you know, if you've been paying any attention uh, in the wake of the Libra hearing, um, you know, the Chinese president came out with huge statements on how important blockchain was. And within hours, searches were up 1300% for blockchain. And then all of a sudden, you're starting to see real action too. So you saw 500 blockchain enterprise companies announce themselves that they had registered with the Chinese government. And there's all this signaling going on, right? Um, so basically, what's the news? The news is that there's still the what's happening with China and blockchain keeps coming fast and furious. So uh, one thing that I noticed this morning was this uh, ban. Um, China, and this was in the independent, uh, China has banned anti-blockchain state uh, <clears throat> sentiment as it prepares for the launch of state cryptocurrency. So that's the, the title of the, uh, of the independent article. And basically it says... Um, it's like a complete reversal, right? So this is a country who is historically kind of uh, hostile, and now it's 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 actually says that articles ban saying blockchain technology is a scam are now banned, right? So this is like head spinning again. That how fast we've gone from uh, you know one attitude towards cryptocurrencies and and blockchain more broadly to a different one. Now, of course, we should always note that there, there's no signal uh, that this is a, a difference uh, or anything's changed in terms of their attitude towards cryptocurrency currencies to Bitcoin. Um, in fact, there's some indication that maybe they'll even use this as a way to go after those projects, right? And say blockchain is really important. Basically, blockchain, not Bitcoin, but in the much more aggressive China version. Um, so that's kind of coming. Uh, <clears throat> I thought Preston's tweet right here was great. Uh, so this is, uh, he says, the First Amendment now protects your right to call a shitcoin a shitcoin, um, commenting on the difference between the U.S. and China. Um, but then that wasn't the only uh, stuff coming out of China, too. There's also, going back to Dovi again, uh, local government just announced a 10 billion RMB, which is about 150 million USD government funding dedicated to a blockchain subsidy for outstanding blockchain projects. And she says, I believe all other local governments will follow. Overall capital subsidy will be massive. Um, so, and then she gets into the specifics of how it works. But this is kind of something that uh, Dovi and others made the point of right after this, right after the uh, President Xi's statements came out, was that it would be a signal to local governments to start to get involved, get in the game, start supporting things. Uh, and that's exactly what we're seeing. So again, why it's interesting is that this is, um, it's, it's actually fascinating to watch just how quickly the, the engines uh, are revving up in China. Um, and uh, I mean, this is what happens when you have kind of a, a, a very different um, much more top-down economy, right? Um, but it's we're, we got to keep covering this uh, basically because it's just it's so fast-moving, so evolutionary uh, that we need to keep seeing what's going on. But uh, that is not the only only uh, interesting country that the U.S. has a somewhat tense relationship with uh, that had interesting crypto news. So let's move to number three. Um, so Russia obviously uh, is. One of the big baddies still relative to U.S. policy, although certainly it hasn't uh, retained its role or regained its role um, from where it was during the, the the Cold War years. But still, it's it's pretty clear if you look at everything uh, what the U.S. thinks about uh, the state of its relationship with Russia. Well, there's an economic dimension to this as well. So Noelle, who's a director of research at CoinDesk, she focused on institutional crypto. Uh, pointed out this article today from the Financial Times, um, Russia's Rosneft switches all export contracts to Euro. So this is a, a huge crude oil producer that is switched from uh, using the dollar to the Euro, um, and it is uh, basically to avoid U.S. sanctions, right? Um, and this is, uh, the, the dollar right now, according to Noel, counts for about 
90% of global oil trade. So seeing a major, major player in that space shift away from the dollar towards a different unit of account uh, has implications for uh, for the U.S. dollar and its status as the global reserve currency. Um, now, simultaneously, you had this article pop up in uh, in Wired that is like literally like a 38-minute read. This is the definition of a long read for those of you who have the energy for it. And it's called The Shady Cryptocurrency Boom on the Post-Soviet Frontier. Dodgy energy deals, loose regulation, dubious characters with links to the Hillary Clinton email hackers are fueling a burgeoning crypto industry that could provide an end run around U.S. sanctions. So uh, there's so much to get into with this piece. I really recommend that you just read it. Um, a lot of it, you know, the critique I've seen is basically that it's just really like everywhere in the world, anywhere there's cheap energy, people are using that uh, and leveraging that to mine Bitcoin, right? Um, because it's just a, a business model. Um, but then you also saw uh, Dennis Parker uh, retweeted this article, the digital gold rush, Russia aims to mine 20% of uh, Bitcoin supply. So um, all of this stuff is kind of happening simultaneously. And then the icing on the cake is Binance today on Coindesk. Binance CEO, Russia is our key market. Uh, <clears throat> and he said, we're always looking for partners in any community, especially in Russia. Russia is our key market, one of the most active in the global blockchain space. In America, the regulators are very distributed and China is not going to move anytime soon. There is a potential bill in Russia that may pass very soon and it will be a good thing for the industry. Um, so uh, all of these things taken together and you know, it's not hard to see how uh, Russia is starting to fill in this different spot in the crypto narrative space, uh, which could actually be kind of bad for how U.S. regulators see Russia, right? Like U.S., if, if Russia is simultaneously revving up its crypto engine while also trying to move big industry off of the dollar standard, that really reinforces the narrative that Congress is uh, flirting with, I would say, that um, that that basically the cryptocurrencies, the job of cryptocurrencies is to provide an end run around sanctions and to diminish the standing of the US dollar around the world. Uh, so, you know, it's it's particularly worth noting in the context that um, the, the the questions around the US dollar and its role are, are heightening, right, because of Libra and because of uh, what's going on with Chinese digital currency. So again, another evolutionary story that I think is worth watching. Um, we're in the back half now. So let's do the last, the last two little bits of news. So number four, Coinless. Uh, so yesterday, or I guess this was early this morning, um, Stephen Russolillo uh, uh, from the Wall Street Journal, Stephen, sorry I butchered your name, uh, he uh, wrote an article or he broke the news that CoinList uh, had raised a new $10 million round, um, and most notably Jack Dorsey uh, of Square fame, of, uh, of uh, Twitter fame, obviously, and of being a huge proponent for Bitcoin uh, had bet on the company. He had invested in the company. Now, this is kind of an interesting move. So so what's interesting about this? Um, uh, why would we cover this instead of any other funding? Well, I think one, uh, Jack Dorsey is a notable enough figure that when he invests in things, people start talking about it, um, particularly because Jack is such a vocal proponent of, uh, of Bitcoin specifically. And uh, and so the question is why would he care about uh, CoinList? And he had kind of a vague uh, a vague quote that was you know clearly gone through PR and everything um, that you know new types of tokens needed a place a legitimate place to launch uh, and this you know CoinList was the best platform for that. And so what we we don't know and I think what people are interested in is what types of tokens uh, Jack is interested in outside of Bitcoin because he's clearly not interested in necessarily these base layer coins. Um, and uh, and so I think that's an interesting and open question uh, that people are are, are just curious about. Um, the second piece that makes this interesting and that some people are talking about is looking at the larger kind of just shifting business 
models that characterize this industry, right? Like crypto has never had a, a, a really a single clear business model outside that, that's persisted for, for years at a time outside of exchanges. And one of the things that's interesting about this raise is that CoinList is, uh, they announced that they were launching an exchange. Um, and so Frank Shaparo from The Block, he says, another crypto business pivots to exchange. Makes sense as token sales aren't the hot business they once were. CoinList has done three sales this year, according to its website. CoinList follows blockchain and bitcoin.com in launching an exchange apropos of nothing. Long term, it would be interesting to see all of the tokens that have raised money through CoinList also trade on this platform, maybe exclusively. I imagine that's a vision, but there will be a lot of regulatory hurdles. And this, I think, is the key part. Professional traders in the crypto world constantly tell me they want fewer venues and less fragmentation. And retail platforms are incredibly sticky. We've seen how hard it is for longtime market participants, Gemini, Polo, etc., to snag market share. Tough climb for CoinList. Uh, so... Uh, that's a, it, we got two dimensions that make this coinless news interesting. One is what Jack is, uh, is, is so excited about, which is going to continue to be an open question until he, he kind of talks about it. And two is just, you know, how does coinless differentiate on, uh, in the exchange space? You know, I mean, I think for my part, uh, those guys are, are trying to do things in really interesting ways, trying to create, um, clear, easy mechanisms for interesting projects that do want to experiment with tokens, uh, to do so in a way that's compliant. Um, so I, I'm interested to see what they can do, and I think it's uh, it's great that they have some some dry powder to go with it. So congrats to them, and I'll be interested to see more about what Dorsey is um, particularly excited about himself. Uh, and finally, let's move on to number five. So uh, last night, the infamous Travis Kling he, uh, tweeted out, and he says, tomorrow, the Fed will, one, buy $2 billion of Treasury bills permanently, two, buy up $120 billion of Treasuries and MBS overnight. Three, cut the federal funds rate 25 BPS basis points for the third consecutive time. Bitcoin is a non-sovereign hard cap supply, global immutable, decentralized digital store of value. Uh, and so this section, like I said, I'm calling it, don't call it a QE. Um, and the point that I want to make, I don't want to dig too deep into this. It's uh, not that long after it's happened. And, you know, I, I think that the, the reason that Bitcoiners keep coming back to this sort of thing is... Um, we are, as Travis Kling has previously put it himself, in uh, one of the longest running experiments in modern monetary history as it relates to just the interventionism of central banks uh, and the, the you know, what, what Travis has likened to a heroin addiction of, uh, of quantitative easing. So in, a, in Bitcoin Macro, which is a pop-up podcast I produced with Coindesk uh, for the upcoming Invest New York conference, Travis basically was like, we're going to see more and more exotic forms of QE because the same thing that worked before isn't going to keep working, you're going to need a bigger and bigger and a different hit. Um, and so, uh, again, it's just kind of worth noting uh, what the situation is. One, one more tweet from this. Uh, Joe, uh, the stalwart from Bloomberg, he says, ah, folks, Powell cleared everything up. Powell, T-bill purchases shouldn't be confused with quantitative easing. Uh, Gabor from Van Eck says, huh, feel relieved now. So again, the, the point here, the point for sharing this news is just to, uh, to continue to keep one side eye on the state of the global markets uh, that represent kind of why Bitcoin was built and born and um, and continues to attract new people to it as uh, as central banks continue to 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 build 
to build the the roller coaster while they're on the ride. Um, so anyways, guys, uh, that's my quick news rundown for today. A little bit different than the analysis from yesterday. Hope this was helpful. And uh, I think I'll be back tomorrow. We're doing some traveling. We got baby's first birthday, uh, dad and mom's sixth anniversary coming up over the weekend. So um, we're going to be out of here, but I think I'll be able to get one in tomorrow. Uh, so for now, anyways, thanks for listening. If you were listening, thanks for watching. If you were watching and I will catch you tomorrow. Peace guys.